We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, October the 29th, 2020. On today's show, we are in the bye week. You may think to yourself, we have the bye week blues. Not so fast. I think this is a pivotal week for South Carolina, and I'm going to give you my five things that I most want to see fixed over the bye week, what I think South Carolina needs to get corrected, what they need to work on, so they can take on Texas A&M and really attack the second half of the 2020 football season. Also, your listener questions and voicemails, and we have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks running back Taylor Rank joins the show. We have a phenomenal conversation. Taylor, an awesome dude, obviously played during the Steve Spurrier era, so tons of great stories and memories there as well. So sit back, relax, enjoy, folks. It is all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention that other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. So guys, they're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-ops. So their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, guys. Service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the rest. They also offer black glove service, and they offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating, and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. Guys, they were founded by Greenville Natives, and University of South Carolina alumni. So a Gamecock-owned business, Gamecocks helping Gamecocks. They offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, for all of your moving needs, especially if you're in the upstate, like I said, Gamecocks supporting Gamecocks, Gamecocks helping Gamecocks, support a Gamecock-owned business when you go to Upstate Movers Group. You can check them out at upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Also, be sure to check them out and follow them on social media. They're on social media at Upstate Movers Group. So, again, that's our friends at Upstate Movers Group. For all of your moving needs, check out Upstate Movers Group at upstatemoversgroup.com and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Yardware. Guys, Yardware is a veteran-owned operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. These signs are made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel, and they come in both garnet and black. Guys, football season's obviously in full swing. The holidays are right around the corner. Christmas is upcoming. This is a must-have for any Gamecock fan. Oh, by the way, Yardware was founded by the University of South Carolina alumni as well. And again, this is a must-have for any Gamecock fan. I have my sign in my studio. Like I said, it's made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel. It's extremely, and I mean extremely, 
high quality. You can put this thing anywhere, though. Your yard, your office, your studio, your living room, your man cave, your garage, wherever. It's a great piece for any Gamecock fan and a must-have for any Gamecock fan. You can order yours today at YardwareSigns.com. That's YardwareSigns.com. You can also find them on social media at Yardware, at Yardware Signs. Be sure to check them out. Again, get this for the Gamecock fan in your life. First, get it for yourself, but get it for that Gamecock fan in your life. I'm thinking to myself, I've got a long list right now of people I'm buying Christmas gifts for. This is definitely going to be it. Again, it's $34.95, so it's extremely affordable, and it's something that any Gamecock fan will absolutely love. Again, that's our friends at Yardware Signs. Check them out, YardwareSigns.com. That is YardwareSigns.com to order yours today. Finally, the Spurs Up show is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available to all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie guys if you're the type of guy or type of person likes to back the big favorites consider putting a cup on a parlay for a much bigger payout not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting but more importantly they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real money maker and guys of course we're gamecock fans don't forget the underdogs right they have a ton of value and the thing about college football and the nfl the underdogs they're never really dogs on on saturdays and sundays Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Guys, game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets, it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Guys, you can sign up, and when you do, go to mybookie.ag. That's mybookie.ag, and use the promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks, guys. It's a bonus to sign to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. Again, that's promo code Gamecocks over at mybookie.ag for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit, guys. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at mybookie. Let's get it. Ghost the Spurs Up show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in here on this Thursday. You know, it's funny. I was going back and forth all week whether we were going to have a Thursday show or not because, again, normally, guys, I take Thursday. I break down the opponent South Carolina's playing that weekend. Obviously, we're in the midst of the bye week. There is no game this weekend. Not quite as much to talk about, but I do want to dive into. I was thinking to myself, if I had a wish list, if I, if I could just snap my fingers and make things come true, what would I fix about this game, Cox football team? Because, the great thing about the bye week in 2020 for South Carolina, it is right at the halfway point. It is literally smack dab in the middle of the season. And there are certainly things with this team, especially when you're two and three. There are certainly things with this football team I know we all want to see corrected. We all want to see fixed. So I'm going to give you guys my five things that I most want to see fixed over the bye week. The five things I think need to be corrected. If South Carolina 
is going to salvage this 2020 season, if they're going to have a positive second half of the year, what's got to get fixed for this group? I'm going to give that to you guys in just a second. Before we get to everything, a couple of housekeeping items. Guys, like I said, I appreciate you all tuning in here on this Thursday. I do hope you're all having a fantastic week. Again, whether you're at work, you're at home, you're on the commute, whatever it may be, I thank you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to me. But first things first, if you have not done so, take five seconds out of your day, click the pause button right now, Go leave a review. Go leave five stars, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever platform, it does not matter. Leave five stars. Leave your thoughts, your feedback. If there's things you like, things you don't like, you want to hear more of, less of, that is the place to do it, guys. We are slowly but surely getting closer and closer and closer to that 500 review mark. I would love to hit that by the end of the season. Let's make it happen. Again, if you have not done so, take five seconds out of your day. Go leave that five-star review. Really do appreciate it. Also, if you're tuning in and you're not subscribed, I'm not sure what you're doing, hammer that subscribe button again on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Also on YouTube, we are 10 subs away from 900, which means we are getting closer to 1,000, which is the goal. Help get the Spurs Up show to 1,000 subs on YouTube. Truly do appreciate that. Also, be sure to follow on social media, subscribe to the podcast. You'll get the daily notifications when the podcast drops. So again, rate and subscribe if you haven't. If you have, thank you so much, and I do appreciate you guys. Also, Wanted to update you. Like I said, I was going back and forth earlier this week about a show today. I definitely wanted to put out a show ahead of the bye week. So obviously, that is what we are doing here today. But there will be no Friday show as of right now. Again, this is tentative. I could change my mind. But right now, I think we're planning on no Friday show. Again, normally Fridays, I give my prediction for the games and stuff like that. But who knows? Maybe something will come up that I want to talk about. We'll do the Daily Crow. Obviously, we're doing that all week. But I don't think we're going to have a Friday podcast. Again, guys, just stay tuned for that, obviously. But I don't think as of right now, we're going to have a Friday podcast. I just wanted to let you guys know. But again, you never know. I might get a random spurt of inspiration or maybe something will happen. Some news will break. But right now, tentatively speaking, no Friday shows. All right, let's go ahead and dive into it. Like I said, you might have the bye week blues thinking to yourself, or heck, maybe you want to get away from Carolina football because of the struggles and stuff like that. Maybe you're maybe you're spending your weekend going going to the pumpkin patch or going to the apple orchard or you're just hanging with the family and the kids. Maybe you're just enjoying some stress-free football on Saturday. We're all big Boston College fans this weekend, right? Pulling for the Eagles to pull some crazy massive upset that we all know is not going to happen. But either way, whatever you're doing, I thought it was a great opportunity to sort of reflect, talk about this team, what I want to see fixed over the bye week. Because the bye week, you know, we talked to Alex McGrath about it. The bye week is a very pivotal time for a football team. You know, you go back, you work on fundamentals, you kind of reevaluate, you reassess. And I think for this South Carolina football team, for sure, it is going to be very, very important. Now, I will tell you guys on the Monday show, I'm going to do a full halfway point midseason report card, first half MVP all of that good stuff. So we're going to talk about that on Monday. But again, I wanted to give you guys my five things that I want to see fixed over the bye week. Again, there are more than five for sure, but these are the five, the top of my head, the first five things I could think of that I want to see fixed over the bye week. And I want to start my first one on the offensive side of the football. Again, defense to me has been the bigger issue in the first half of the season, but I want to start on the offensive side and then we'll dive into the defense. My first thing I want to see fixed over the bye week or added or implemented is offensive creativity. Listen, I have been very, very happy to this point with Mike Bobo. The offense has been much, much better than I expected, and I don't know if that screams to they've just been that good or my expectations were just that low. But 
you know, obviously bring in a new offensive coordinator. You bring Colin Hillens. You've got a brand new quarterback and coordinator. We knew the issues out at wide receiver. Marshawn Lloyd goes down. And what this offense has done to this point, again, I tip my cap to Mike Bobo. What he's been able to do, really squeezing blood out of a rock, if you will. I mean, finding ways to score points and establishing an identity with Kevin Harris, which we all know has been obviously a very nice surprise. But offensive creativity, if there's one big knock on this offense thus far to me, you know, the thing that frustrates Gamecock fans the most, and I made a TikTok about this, and it's so true, the thing that frustrates South Carolina fans so much is, you know, the lip service we receive from a guy like Will Muschamp. When you hear about Luke Doty, when you hear about on Joyner, when you hear about Rico Powers and Jakari Caldwell, and you hear about all these different guys and how great they look in camp, and especially you hear Luke Doty's the fastest guy on your team. You hear Dak Joyner and all these great plays he's making. They're saying he's going to be involved in the offense. And especially you look, on Joyner, what has he touched it twice this season? And one of them, he scored a touchdown. And Luke Doty, He'll come in for one or two plays every game with the Wildcat, and he looks pretty good doing it. I'd like to see this offense take some chances. And again, get creative. And I'm not saying sit there and run, you know, try to be gimmicky and run trick plays and stuff like that, but get the football in your athlete's best hand because you know wide receiver is a liability. You know what you've got at wide receiver. Outside of Shaw Smith, it is extremely questionable use your best athletes why not use your best athletes I want to see if Mike Bobo can he evolve a little bit because again I don't understand right now and again the offense to me has not been the major concern over the first half when you look at them I just don't see why South Carolina refuses to like I said get the football to Dak Joyner on some sweeps in a, in, a, in a wildcat scenario, get him at quarterback, a quick screen. How have we not seen a double pass this year when you have two quarterbacks basically on the field at the same time with Doty and Joyner and Colin Hill? How has that not been a thing yet? So, again, the offense has been okay to this point. It can always be better. I think one of the ways you can do that, again, keeping defenses on their heels because South Carolina, the identity right now, it's very well established. We all know what South Carolina wants to do when they come into a ball game. They want to get Kevin Harris going. They want to be stingy in the run game, establish the run, and let the run open up the pass. But again, you're going to get in a scenario where maybe the run game's not quite there that day or a defense is committed to stopping it. What do you do? What do you go to? What, what's, what's your, what's your, cha- what's your changeup? What's your curveball? You got to have something else. And I think there are athletes. I think there are athletes on the offensive side of the ball, but is Mike Bobo willing to maybe step outside of his comfort zone or change things up a little bit and just get creative offensively, be flexible, be multiple, keep a defense on its heels. That's something I want to see is the offensive creativity from Mike Bobo and company. The second thing that I want to see over the bye week, and it reared its ugly head in Baton Rouge for sure, and really outside of the Auburn game, I feel like this has been an issue. The second thing I want to see fixed over the bye week or implemented is defensive aggressiveness. Listen, I, I was thinking about putting tackling. I was thinking about putting run, uh, you know, stopping the running game. Really, it all comes back to, to me the the aggressiveness or lack thereof of this defense. And I just don't understand. You know, you take a look at that LSU game, and I, I listen. The more it's funny, the more questions I've gotten this week about the LSU game and questions about the defense and 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 what the. Uh, you know, what what the philosophy was and what they're trying, the more it's pissed me off, honestly. Because, again, being there in person, 
tip your cap to LSU, they're good, they're this, they're that. But you go back and watch that game, and you think back to that game. How conservative was South Carolina defensively? You know, it, it seems like we play so soft, especially on the early downs, first and second down. We're giving these 10-yard cushions to guys. We're not sending pressure. We're not blitzing. We're not running stunts up front. What is the deal? What is the deal in regards to aggressiveness on defense? Why are we not playing balls to the wall? Why are we not being more aggressive? Why are we not putting, you know, you feel like you have two really, really, really good corners. You know you have a great one. And, you know, Israel McQuamo, you like his game as well. Put him on an island. Let him play man-to-man and send a pass rush. Force turnovers. I mean, coming off that LSU game, you got picked apart by a true freshman. It was literally like a seven-on-seven for TJ Finley. I genuinely, and again, I know none of us do, understand what that defensive game plan was. But again, that has been a lingering issue to me throughout the first half of this entire season. Again, Auburn, I thought you really did get after Bo Nix. And look what happened. You forced three interceptions, and you won the football game. It's almost like that philosophy works. I want to see this defense be more aggressive in the second half. The thing that kills me, that kills me, is Will Muschamp says in post-game pressers, and he says this something along the lines of right here. Well, you know, we're, we're kind of just adjusting to what they're doing. And, you know, no, set the tone. Be the aggressor. Set the tone of the game. Set the tempo. I obviously understand you have to make adjustments. No questions asked. you got to make adjustments. But – it shouldn't be, oh, we're, 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 going, we're going off of what they do. What we do is dictated off what the offense does. Hell no. What the offense can do should be dictated off of what you do. Get aggressive, attack, get after these offenses you play. Because, again, you take a look at the second half of the season, I see some opportunity there. I think Texas A&M, listen, Kellen Mond is a very up-and-down quarterback. You look at Ole Miss, they're still, still figuring out with Lane Kiffin. Missouri is Missouri. Georgia, with their quarterback issues, with Stetson Bitt, who's going to be the guy? And then Kentucky, we all know they've got issues with Terry Wilson. They don't even know who their starting quarterback is. So there's going to be opportunities, but I'm just so tired of seeing a Gamecock defense play soft, play conservative, sit back on their heels. It's like South Carolina's allowing teams to nickel and dime them to death. Because, listen, it's like Will Muschamp is so concerned with giving up the quote-unquote big play or the explosive, as he likes to call it, He's so concerned with that. He so badly doesn't want to get beat with that. He's allowing teams to just, oh, here you go. Here's 5, 10, 15, whatever. You can have it. No big deal. It's not an explosive. We'll be fine. It's like we're almost committed to playing this bend but don't break approach. And you think it'd be the complete opposite of Will Muschamp. You think of him as an intense guy, an aggressive guy. That's what you'd expect from the defense, and we're just not seeing that. Me personally, I think all Carolina fans, you'd rather see a defense that's being super aggressive, blitzing, putting your guys around. Hey, if you get beat, if the other team gets an explosive play, tip your cap. But you also leave room to the upside of making a big play, getting a big stop, getting a big turnover. And it's just like South Carolina is dying a slow and painful death with the style of defense they're playing, being conservative. So, again, that's the second thing I want to see fixed over the bye week. Defensive aggressiveness. Just change the entire attitude on the defensive side of the football. My third thing that I want to see fixed over the bye week, and this one, I'll probably be talking about this until the end of the season, but again, it just has to continue. Finding a second option on offense. Finding a second option on the outside in regards to an offensive playmaker. Shai Smith, phenomenal first half of the season. What he's done 
has been spectacular. There's no question. What he's done has been spectacular. But the Gamecocks, which it's crazy, through five games, through five games, you still don't have another go-to guy. Yes, obviously, Kevin Harris in the backfield has been fantastic, but I'm really talking pass-catching options. Nick Muse has been, quote-unquote, solid at the tight end position. I don't think he's done anything really that crazy, but he's been at least dependable most of the time. You got Jalen Brooks back, and I think he had a very much welcome to the SEC moment against LSU. You've seen Josh Van get a catch or two here or there, but, I mean, really, no one has emerged. Nobody has emerged. Can South Carolina find that other guy? Like, what is it going to take? I don't know if it's going to be something in practice or if Jalen Brooks woke up after the LSU game and he's going to improve and he maybe he will turn into that guy. But finding a second option, finding a second option, because, again, this team, you shoulder the blame on everyone for the two and three record. Because as much as I talk about the defense, and I agree 110%, they've got to be better. Hey, welcome to the new age of college football where you got to score 40 points per game to win. That's just how it is. So you've got to find a way to get the football into other playmakers' hands and develop another playmaker. Because again, listen, people ask, oh, why is Colin Hill holding on to the ball too long? Oh, why, why is South Carolina not scoring enough? Like, why are we not going down the field more? If you don't have anyone that can catch the football, if you don't have anyone dependable to go to that's a guy that's going to make plays, what are you supposed to do? Where the hell's Xavier Leggett been, by the way? That's a name I feel like I haven't said in three weeks. Where has he been? Find the second option over the bye week. This offense desperately needs it. That is the biggest missing piece on this offense. So, again, the third thing I want to see fixed, find a second option over the bye week. My fourth thing that I want to see fixed over the bye week and sticking with the offensive side of the ball, guys, the Gamecocks have given up 16 sacks through five games thus far this season. Now, the blame should fall on multiple people. Yes, Colin Hill has held the ball too long at times, 110%. There has to be an internal clock. I heard Perry Orth talking about this earlier this week. There's got to be an internal clock as a quarterback. You get to 3-1,000, get that thing out or get out of the pocket. These defensive guys, these defensive linemen, they are too good. They're going to eventually get back there. But the pass protection as a whole has just simply got to get better. The limitations on offense as far as Colin Hill and his lack of mobility – we understand that. You understand there are things South Carolina do, I think, can do to help that. You know, keeping guys in to help block, but staying away from third and longs, really, that's going to be the key for this team. But pass protection has got to get better. And it seems like guys watching Carolina, especially watching LSU, where Colin Hill got sacked five times, it's like the sacks, they always come at the worst possible time. Like, they're literally drive killers. They are drive killers when Colin Hill has gotten sacked this season. So again, 16 sacks, 16 sacks in five games. It's flat out inexcusable. It's something South Carolina has got to get fixed. And I want to see them get fixed over the bye week. And my fifth and final thing, and maybe the one that jumps out and stands out the most, and it might come down to a coaching change, which you, know, you see, I'm not putting that on the list because I'm trying to put things that are realistic. Um, we obviously know Will Muschamp is going nowhere right now. But it does come back to coaching, and it comes back to philosophy. Because the fifth thing that I want to see fixed over the bye week is just the overall mindset. The overall mindset as far as aggressiveness, you know, kicking field goals. Like, the overall mindset of this football team. Regrouping 
mentally, regrouping as a whole and coming out with intensity, fired up, ready to attack this second half of the season. Again, is this realistic that this will get fixed? I don't really know because, again, Will Muschamp is the guy behind the scenes pulling all the strings, and is he going to change? No, I don't think so. But, again, this is my show and this is my wish list. So the overall mindset, like, dude, you're two and three in a 10-game SEC schedule. Everyone makes a bowl game. What do you have to lose? Be aggressive. Go balls to the wall. Show your cards. And let's see what happens. Leave it all out there on the field. But the things we've seen, because we've seen it in three different games. We have seen coaching malpractice in three different games. From Tennessee, kicking a field goal with four minutes left, to Florida, the seven-minute drive at the end of the game, and then LSU this past weekend, kicking the field goal down 21 at the end of the first half. Change the overall mindset. Change the attitude. Change the aggressiveness of this football team. I want to see a shift there. And then again, overall mindset for the players as well. You've got to regroup as a football team here. You just took a major punch in the jaw against LSU. You got your teeth kicked in. There's no other way to put it. There's still opportunity left in this season. There's still a lot of opportunity left in this season. But you've got to come out against AM with the right mindset, with the right mentality. I want to see an aggressive, attacking football team, similar to what you saw against Auburn. I, I really thought South Carolina played balls to the wall against Auburn. They were the aggressor. They set the tone in that game. And again, it paid off. So the overall mindset for me, I want to see that fixed. I, I, I just, there needs to be some sort of a switch flip. Who is going to be that leader? Who is going to be that guy who puts his damn foot down and says, I'm tired of getting my ass beat. I'm, I'm tired of getting pushed around and shoved around. I'm tired of getting embarrassed. Let's go out there and let's make it happen. The overall mindset of this football team, and it starts at the top with Will Muschamp and trickles down to the assistant coaches. It trickles down to the players. There needs to be a complete mindset shift. There's got to be a complete mindset shift. I want to see a football team come out with extreme intensity, fired up, ready to go, beat Texas A&M and set the tone for the second half of this season. So again, going back over them, the five things that I want to see fixed over the bye week. Number one, offensive creativity. Number two, defensive aggressiveness. Number three, finding a second option. Number four, pass pro. And number five, the overall mindset. So again, guys, that is the five things I want to see fixed over the bye week or implemented or however you want to call it. I'd love to hear, what are you guys, if you could pick anything, or what are the five things that jump out to you, or what are just the things in general that jump out to you that you want to see fixed going into the second half of this 2020 football season? So, all right, let's go ahead and dive in, guys. we got a lot of listener questions and even voicemails to get to here on this Thursday. So let's go ahead and jump into those. Hey, uh, I was just wondering why we abandoned the running game. Uh Kevin Harris gets nine yards on a first down, and then we throw a pick six. I think that's dumb play calling, and Mike Bobo had his worst uh, play calling of the season. And also, we all want Muschamp gone, but is Ray Tanner and them, are they going to give him a mulligan because of COVID? In my opinion, he doesn't deserve it. Thanks. All right, appreciate the call, man. So I think the reason you saw South Carolina go away from the running game against LSU is you got down 21 points. And, I mean – 
you, you want to try to run your offense, and I totally understand that. What, but South, and that's the thing, South Carolina's not built to come back from that. They're not built to get down twenty-one and come back and win a game like that. They're just not. Um, so it's unfortunate because you were running the ball so well. You were running it so well, and you abandoned the run because you almost had to. So I hate to see that. But, you know, listen, I get it. Second and one, the the the, the pick six, that hurts. I mean, I don't know, was it a bad play call or was it horrid execution by Jalen Brooks? Because really, you go back and watch that play, and other people have said it, and I'll say it too. Jalen Brooks quit on that route, and that's the reason there was a pick six. Bottom line, he quit on that route. So I don't know the play call was terrible. I mean, again, second and short, second and one, that is a great area of the field. That is a great down and distance to be aggressive, you know, go deep, go down the field. Because, again, if you don't get it, you're in third one. Who cares? And, unfortunately, though, in that scenario, it turned into a pick six. So, again, I, I have been pleasantly surprised with Bobo for the, through the first five games. Um, and, again, I don't know if that screams at just how good he's been or how low my expectations were. But, yeah, this team needs to continue to commit to the run. That's how it's going to win football games. It's going to grind out football games. And it's not built to win games, again, like we saw against LSU, where you're having to go score for score for score for score. South Carolina is just not built to win games that way in 2020. So I agree with you. Stick to the run. Continue to feed Kevin Harris. Will Will Muschamp get a mulligan, a layup? I would honestly say probably so, man. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So I appreciate the voicemail. Hey, man, so my question would be, as far as T-Rod's defense, do you think it's a scheme thing, or is it just a, lo- a lack of development of the players? It just seems like the players don't even feel comfortable in the positions they play. I mean, McQuamu's never lined up against the number one receiver. J.C. Horn's all over the field. He's never lined up with the best receiver of that team. Um, I mean, then, then you, know, you know, we knew LSU was going to run the ball. We literally have four down linemen and one linebacker in the box. I mean, five on five, you're never going to stop the run in that way. So, just wondering what you think would change the defense. And I personally think we need a new defensive coach. Um, but, big question. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the voicemail, man. You know, it's crazy. The stock of Tavares Robinson, how much it has fallen since he first got to South Carolina. Once thought of as a defensive guru, one of the one of the you know brightest young up and coming defensive guys in college football. I think his stock has completely taken a major hit for hitching his wagon to the Will Muschamp train. Um, what needs to change? What like kind of, honestly, it's a mix of everything you said. I think. I think. Uh, like I said, the mindset, the aggressiveness, that needs to change. But player development certainly is a huge issue and a major concern of mine. Um, and it has been through the entire Will Muschamp era. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Would Will Muschamp ever have the balls to let go of T-Rob? Because they're like, they're literally like best friends. And, and unfortunately, that's how Will Muschamp makes hiring decisions is, am I friends with this person? How do I feel about this person personally? And it's not the way you should do things, but I think he kind of does. So, um you know, again, do we see any changes? I, I doubt it, but I, I agree with you on all points as far as what needs to be fixed for sure. Hey, what's up, Chris? This is Ben. Been listening to your show since day one. Big fan. My question to you is about defensive line. Why aren't they better? Because we have four and five star defensive linemen across the board. But I think if you go back and watch all of our games of the season, like all five of them, you'll see that the defensive line. It's probably the biggest problem. I mean, I feel like Nick Barre has more than half the sacks on our team. 
Um, and I just don't understand that. I feel like Coach Rockers has been all around the SEC, so he should be better. And I think a lot of people are blaming the secondary. But if we had any pass rush at all or anybody that could get in the backfield, whether we send a safety on blitz or a corner on blitz, I feel like we'd be a lot better. We could have had a chance of beating Tennessee, Florida, and maybe rattling Finley up a little bit uh, this past weekend. Uh, thanks for your feedback. I appreciate it. Go Cox. Yeah, man. Appreciate the voicemail for sure. Um, again, you make a lot of good points. And, hey, a secondary's best friend is a good pass rush. And I agree that the pass rush has got to get better. South Carolina's given up 16 sacks. They have 10 of their own. J.J. Nigbari has been a fantastic player this year, in my opinion, for South Carolina. Um, but it's got to get better. I mean, it's got to get better. And again, if you're not getting pressure with four, which South Carolina is not getting pressure with four, send the blitz. Be aggressive. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why that is just such a, a, a tough thing to grasp, a tough concept to, to implement. Because like, like you said, you've got to find a way to get pressure. You, you just simply do. You have to. And again, as good as JJ has been, I, I mean, where else is it coming from? You know, where, where else is it coming from? So you got to find a way to get pressure. And again, a secondary's best friend is the pass rush. So I agree with you, man. That, that's that's got to get going. So appreciate the listener voicemails, guys. Let's jump into your questions now. We're going to start with Ecart08. If Muschamp stays, is T-Rob out for 2021? Again, that, that's a great question. I mean, it's his best friend, bro. I highly doubt he gets rid of him. I, I really do. I highly doubt. I think they should let go of T-Rob at this point. They keep him on for recruiting purposes and recruiting purposes only. But um, – I don't know, man. Proof's in the pudding. Look at the defense. The proof's in the pudding. So, B underscore Robert Torrey. If we had a competent coach with the talent we have now, what would our ceiling be? I think seven and three. I think this could be at least a six-win team with, with, with a competent coaching staff for sure. Uh, let's see. Blake Manthe won. What will must chance buyout be after the season is over? I think it's like $13 million or something like that. So, Ben Smitty, 2017. Do you think if Muschamp survives, we fire T-Rob? His defense only works – against bad offenses. Again, I don't know, man. It's his best friend. Would he fire his best friend? Unfortunately, that's the way Will Muschamp thinks. Like, bro, it's a business. That's how you should think in the sense of, like, it's a business and you got to make moves. But that's not how Will Muschamp operates. So, uh, Ben Smitty, Tony Seven's got a 2017's got a couple of questions. How many spots left in the 2021 recruiting class and will our recruiting class get better? I don't know how many spots, but uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is, is announcing this weekend. Unfortunately, I'm hearing he's going to Georgia, so – I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a rough class. I'm not exactly sure how many spots are left, but I, I think this is going to be a rough class. I, I really do. And it's unfortunate to say that, but, yeah, man, I, th I think it's going to be a, a rough class this year. Probably finishing between 35 and 40, if that. So, yeah, going to be a rough one. Um, CP3 underscore presents underscore. I just don't think firing Muschamp is a good idea. What if Stockton decommits? Keeping a bad head coach, one recruit, is not worth keeping a bad head football coach. I don't give a damn who it is. I don't give a damn. Hey, what if we keep Muschamp and Stockton comes here and we don't get the most out of him like every other player we basically had come through Carolina? Then what will have been the point? What will be the point of getting Gunnar Stockton? What will be the damn point? What will be the point? So, I mean, you know, I, I just one recruit's not worth keeping a bad head coach, man. It's not. So... Last question here, Pete Bleak, going into the bye week, what do you think is most important for Carolina to work on? Again, there's so much to work on, but I, I, I think mentally. I think, honestly, getting this team mentally right, ready to attack the second half of the year, um, 
I think is as important as anything. The overall leadership on this football team needs to show, needs to take – because they're going to work on fundamentals and work on themselves or whatever. But as far as just overall the attitude, the mentality, the mindset, that is pivotal. That's important. This team needs to come out fired up in the second half, ready to take advantage of some opportunities, play with a lot of confidence. So I think, honestly, that is the most important thing, is getting the mindset, getting the mental right for these guys. Um, All right, guys. Again, appreciate the listener questions and voicemails. As always, appreciate you guys for being so interactive. Now, we have a great conversation, a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks running back, Taylor Rank. Taylor, an awesome dude, man. Awesome guy. Um, Was a guy, if you remember the early Spurrier teams like me, they were some of my favorite football teams at South Carolina. Taylor Rank was a part of those, obviously a major part of those. Toted the rock for South Carolina a lot. We talked about everything from his recruitment, Steve Spurrier being at South Carolina, um, him being abroad now, CrossFit. We kind of get in a little bit of everything. Taylor, a very genuine dude, a cool dude, and I appreciate him being gracious with his time. So sit back, relax, enjoy, folks. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Southern Oaks remodeling guys southern oaks remodeling locally and family owned over 15 years of experience they specialize in roofing windows doors siding and additions and they're serving the greater columbia area guys when you're having someone come into your home and they're doing a project of any kind and you're having those constant interactions and you know you're dealing with them on a consistent basis service is is key it's paramount the way you interact with the people at southern oaks remodeling i've been blessed enough and fortunate enough to meet those people and they are fantastic people again locally and family owned and you can really feel that you can really see that difference they take care of their people and they make their people their number one priority again if you're in the columbia area be sure to give southern oaks remodeling a call check them out they specialize like i said in roofing windows doors siding additions if you've got a home project you've been putting off now is the perfect time to do it through the holidays be sure to give them a ring give them a call check them out again that's southern oaks remodeling southern oaks remodeling check them out on social media and go to their website Southern Oaks remodeling and tell them Chris from the Spurs up show sent you enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks running back Taylor rank. All right. Joining us on the Spurs up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2005 to 2008 during his career. He had 40 carries for 146 yards, a touchdown did also have a catch for eight yards and he had two career starts against Florida Atlantic and NC state in 2007. Someone that I know for me personally, the first couple of Spurrier teams were some of my most fond teams I ever remember. And he's someone that if you remember those teams vividly, you're definitely going to remember his name. Former Gamecocks running back, Taylor Rank. Taylor, appreciate you taking t- taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hey, man, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, stoked, stoked given, uh, given the whole situation and everything going on. Uh, college football has always been a little rallying point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, living abroad, it's always brought me back home. So thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no, like I told you off air, man, once I had Mike on, he he, he talked about you a lot and brought you up. Mike Davis, the OG Mike Davis, as I called him, <laughs> because you, you had Mike Davis 2.0 roll through. But talked about you guys are best buddies and everything. You obviously played at USC at the exact same time. So I'm excited to dive into it. But let's talk from the beginning for you, because, again, we were just talking a little bit off air you know, when you look at your bio, as far as South Carolina is concerned, it says Vancouver, Washington. And what jumps out, I'm like, how in the world did South Carolina find this guy from Vancouver, Washington? But you are a guy from the Southeast, like you said, in the state of Georgia. Just kind of talk about your high school career, again, as a running back. And then Steve Spurrier gets the job at South Carolina. You're part of his first signing class, which is a very, very big deal. But just talk about how that sort of all evolved. I mean, again, you go from Georgia to the state of Washington. You end up signing with South Carolina. Like, 
what was the recruiting process like for you and how'd that come about where you ended up in Columbia? Um, so I started off my high school career uh, in the state of Georgia. Uh, I played um, just up in Canton and Cherokee County at uh, Sequoia High School. Um, but towards the end of my sophomore year, uh, my father had gotten a job offer at a, a company called Boise Cascade that was going to move us out uh, to the West Coast. And, uh, you know, I said, I'd just rather it be sooner than later uh, to get out there and, and start meeting the team, start meeting the guys and, and get familiar with what's going to be going on. So I went up there, um, ended up finishing up there. But uh, I think uh, my junior year, I had offers from like the University of Washington and I think I was kind of like a legacy at Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech had been recruiting me a little bit, but I ended up at South Carolina, uh, I think via Steve Spurrier Jr. He had recruited me when he was at Arizona. Um, and I remember hearing that uh, Coach Spurrier, who coached my father in college, had gotten a job at South Carolina. Um, and then I randomly got a phone call one day from Spurrier Jr. saying, hey, uh, I don't know if you know, but I've taken the wide receiver coaching position, whatever, at uh, South Carolina. Um we're going to bring your tape with us and, you know, you'll hear back from us shortly. And then uh, I think I was coming back from a visit from Montana state uh, and I got the call from coach Furrier um, offering me a scholarship coming out of South Carolina. So I ended up taking a visit. Um, it's very near home back to where near where I played high school football, um, where I played with, uh, I even played against Kenny McKinley and, and some people really? from like South Bob and stuff like that. Wow. So when I got there, there's familiar names. People knew where Sequoia high school was and mm -hmm. I'd actually played a couple of them several times, but uh, yeah, it was good to get back home. Uh, is what it kind of felt like, and one of the big reasons I came to South Carolina. So you said your dad played for Steve Spurrier, is that right? At Florida, I'd assume, yeah. or or was he a Duke? Yeah, my dad or where, played, where you... He played wide receiver at Georgia Tech, and it was one of wow. Coach Spurrier's first coaching positions. Wow. He was his positions coach at right. uh, at Georgia Tech. Um, wow! And then you said you were yeah, so that's why you were a legacy at Georgia Tech then. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's crazy. So, did, I mean, did you ever want to go to Georgia Tech? Was it like a you know you wanted to end up there? Or you didn't that really didn't really matter to you. Well, I grew up I grew up going down because we lived about you know thirty miles north of Atlanta. So I grew up going to you know Saturdays in Atlanta, Georgia Tech, right on campus, tailgating, watching the games. Um, so I did. I wanted to go to Georgia Tech, um, but um, they didn't really they didn't really offer me until. And I think even if they did so late, but by that time I was, I was hundred percent South Carolina, but I did want to go to tech, um, but it just never didn't really work out. Right. So you get to campus, you get to Columbia again, a very interesting time. You're part of Steve Spurrier's first signing class. And I mean, you know, when coach Spurrier took the job, obviously people in Columbia, everything's at a fever pitch. I mean, it, it's, I remember going to, I told Mike this too, Mike Davis, I remember going to the spring game in 2005, coach Spurrier's first spring game. And I remember, I think it was like the first play. And I remember there's like 35,000 people there. Like it was a crazy, the whole entire lower bowls filled. And I remember the first play of the spring game. I, I, it was a pass, just nothing more than just a pass. And everybody in the stand stands up and it's like, oh, oh, like, oh my God, we're throwing the football. Like it's like insane. Like that's how, how, how crazy on edge people were. But talk about Coach Spurrier again. You played for a legend, a Hall of Famer. You obviously saw what he did after you left and that run South kind of went on from 2010 to 2013. But what was, what was the relationship like between you and, and coach Spurrier? Uh, it was coach Spurrier. Uh, for some reason uh, you play, or at least I did, I played really hard for him uh, and I liked the way he approaches the game. I like how kind of how his mind works and his whole approach, but the relationship was quite funny. He would tease me quite often. I remember, I think we were in practice one time and I dropped two passes. Um, and we're sitting up there the next day watching, watching the game film or practice film. And he just pauses the film. He turns and he looks at me and he's like, Taylor, you've dropped more passes today than your dad dropped his entire career at Georgia Tech. <laughs> and this is in like a public setting, you know, right. in front of the team. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, oh, that was a burn and a half. 
but no, I mean, he, it, it was, I took a lot of the things that I learned from him about the game of football. Right. And, and, and applied it even, even after my career uh, at George at, uh, at South Carolina. Um, and I wouldn't have rather played for anybody. And when he called me and offered me that scholarship, it really didn't matter who else did. Um, I was going to go play for him. He's a legend and, yeah, I wouldn't want to play for anybody else. Well, was it cool, like, bouncing you and your dad, like, bouncing it off each other? Like, hey, Coach Spurrier said this. I, I'm sure he was like, yeah, I can imagine. Like, he said this to me back then. Because, like, it, I'm, I'm not surprised that, like, Spurrier's memory is insane. Like, he remembers this specific play from this specific game, from whatever. Like, how much fun was that? Like, did you ask your dad before? Like, hey, what can I expect from Spurrier? Like, like what were those conversations like as far as uh, Coach Spurrier's concerned? It was actually helpful because, I mean, if, if you like constant, you know, positive reinforcement, then right. Coach Furrier is not necessarily, you know, your guy. <laughs> I mean, you'll, you'll go out there and you'll do something exactly how it's supposed to be done, and he'll say, all right, not terrible, you know, and move on. Um, <laughs> but he, he prepared me for some of the things that he does, like some of his ticks and how he writes on the whiteboard. He'll, you know, he'll write 18 different plays at one time on a whiteboard where it starts off as like, you know, a, a simple you know, smash concept and it turns into like a poco and quick slants and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of my fondest memories of, of their relationship, really not mine with coach Spurrier, but my dad came down with me on my visit. He was like, you're going to see coach Spurrier. I'd love to see him. I'll come with you. Cool. So he pays his way, comes down with us. And I remember we're getting on the bus to go from, I guess like our team dinner to somewhere else or, or the recruiting dinner to somewhere else. And we're getting on the bus and coach Spurrier's like, Hey Matt, come on, just ride with me. And just takes my dad. So I remember having to ride on the bus all alone that time but it was uh it was quite the it was quite the interesting uh, yeah they left you behind on the bus that's funny um yeah I want to ask you about okay so you're on the team again you get there Spurrier's first recruiting class you're there his first year I want to ask you about just like I said everything's at a fever pitch everybody's so excited we have Steve Spurrier that first game against UCF because again I talked about the spring game how crazy it was I was actually blessed enough to be at that first game as well against Mm -hmm. UCF and you know, you had like the little game day outside, Thursday night kickoff, national TV, which you guys seem to always do the Thursday night games. Coach Spurrier loved that exposure and attention, whatever, but packed house, everything else. Like just just talk about that. I mean, again, just being Steve Spurrier's first ever game at South Carolina, being a part of that, part of that like what was that experience like for you specifically? I remember one of the one of the coolest things about being a Carolina football player, and I think anybody can share this sentiment who's run out of the tunnel to 2001, um, is that intensity, that environment when you're running into it. And that being, I mean, being the first time as a college football player and being the debut game of Coach Spurrier in a, in a fan base as passionate as, as South Carolina's. Um, I don't know. I think not in my career. I don't know if the hype was ever matched other than that. But I remember coming out of there and not being able to talk to Tommy Beecher, who was right next to me. Um, In in that time, it's the loudest place you've ever been. Still arguably one of the loudest places I've ever been. Um, And I remember when they hit that, I think it was maybe a deep post or something. Yeah, Mitchell to Whiteside. Mitchell to Whiteside, man. And that place went off, the top blew off. And any doubts you have about where you decided to come play football is gone. (laughs) (laughs) You see that intensity, that energy. Obviously, you again. You were part of that 05 team that uh, beat Tennessee in Knoxville first time, or beat Florida for the first time, and it felt like 200 years. I mean, just, just again, that has to be able to you know be very cool to look back and say you were a part. Because again, I really do believe like building a program. It's you know Lou Holtz did what he did, and Steve Spurrier built on top of it, and you saw what happened. The culmination of it of 10 to 13, like 
being able to say you were a part of that team that accomplished so many firsts, I'm sure it was cool in the moment, but looking back, like, what does it mean to you now? Uh, being motivated to do things that have never been done before. Something that Coach Sprayer talked about. And he always said it's one of the reasons he came to South Carolina was he wanted to do things that have never been done and that people didn't think could be done. Um, and much like, I guess, in high school, we were the first team from our city to win a state championship, even though it was in Washington and I hadn't grown up there and stuff. It was still cool to be the first group to do something. Um, and even now in Carolina, you look at, at where the program is and, and where we want it to be. And we were there for that upward trend. And we kind of, I guess, helped push us to that point between 10 and 13, where we were a premier program, you know, that, that breath of fresh air up there. Um, but I mean, for me, for coach Spurrier, it's always been, you, you take pride in it. I mean, cause it's, you do something for the first time cause it's hard to be done. Right. right. And when you do it. It's quite an accomplishment. So that, that was a big motivator as well. When I went down to South Carolina, knowing that it's not a, it wasn't a big time powerhouse SEC program. Um, and that you're going to go there and, and try to build something. For sure. So I want to jump to 06 Taylor, you get your first career start. I believe it was 06, correct? Yeah. Florida Atlantic. Um, mm -hmm. you get your first career start. I think that was, was that the game that Blake Mitchell got suspended for punching the bouncer in the face or getting punched in the face or whatever? <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. We don't, we don't have to get into that. I, I, remember, I remember Mike I remember Mike and I talked about it because he was like, yeah, I was there that night. So I remember that being – because I remember going to that game, though, and people had, like, funny signs and stuff made. Like, it, it was very funny in the town because Savelle Newton got the start in that game. But you get the start at tailback. Again, just talk about – again, you talk about – you decide to, where you want to go for co play college football. You have no doubts. But then getting your first career start, like, it, it's it's a lot different. Like, I've had Michael Skarnecki on the show. And I've, had, ha I've had other guys that were, like, you know, backups in their own respects but got their opportunity to play. And they just talked about the differences of, like, that week leading into the game, like the emotions and knowing you're going to be on the field. Just talk about that for you. Is it something you knew all week or you knew on game day? Like, and then getting that start, like, what were the emotions like for you? I can't, I can't remember if it was FA because I got, I had two starts and I remember I got one of my starts basically because of Mike um, right. and I'm not going to throw Mike under the bus here. Actually, I'm going to throw Mike under the bus here, but <laughs> one, of, one of the reasons I started the game, I didn't find out till before the game. And I think it might've been NC state. The more I think about it was because Mike stole an extra Gatorade out of the refrigerator. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so because that's, that, that's one of those, that's one of those things where they'll say suspended for violation of team rules. Violation like, of team you have no rules, clue right? what that means. Right. So I remember he stole a Gatorade one time and I ended up getting the start. It might have been FAU. Um, but I remember I, I, they, they told me that I'd be starting. Um, and I was excited, man, because I hadn't played a whole lot right, mm. at that time. Um, and I mean, playing a team like FAU, you know, you're not it's not like you're stepping out on the field against Georgia. So if you want to start a game, you know, that's, that's a good, I guess, warm up game. Um, so I was excited to play. I was excited to get out there and, uh, and run around and kind of just let it loose because I hadn't had a chance or an opportunity really to that point. Um, because I played with guys like Mike and, and Corey Boyd and guys right. like that. So um, I remember being super excited. I remember calling, I think my grandma came to that game. Um, and that was her first time seeing me play, I think, ever. So um, that was a good, that was, that was a very good memory for me. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about the running back room specifically because, you know, we mentioned Mike and he came on the show a few weeks ago. And then Corey Boyd, I've had on the show. And that's a dude right there that he'll have you ready to run through a brick wall when he talks about playing the game and running the football and everything. Like, what was that like being with those guys? Cause I'm sure that had to make you better. And obviously you, you, you do what you do now. I mean, iron sharpens iron and you know, that had to make you so much better as a football player going up against those guys every single day fighting for playing time. Yeah. I remember showing up, showing up cause I showed up to Carolina when I was 17 years old. Right. And 
as much as I love playing, you know, my high school days, you know, Washington is not Georgia. Um, right. So when I showed up, I remember rocking up seeing people like Marvin Sapp, like Corey Boyd, dudes yeah. that are just stacked to the gills, developed <laughs> big dudes, just being like, am I ready for this? Like, my God, you know? Um, but you play with those guys, you see how hard they work, and you see the intensity, especially Corey, because he's, we used to call him CO for crazy and outrageous, because he was just passionate about everything he did, right? No matter what it was. Mm. So uh, he, he was a real spark in that room. And then when he left, um, we, it was, it was, I guess Mike and myself, we were upperclassmen. Mm. And uh, I mean, that dude right there, that dude is one of the best guys in the world. Mm. Um, and our room was quite close. Uh, I mean, we got Patrick DeMarco, Bobby Wallace, you know, you get some people in there, like Kenny Miles came in there uh, when we were older. Um, but that was, that was always a good group of dudes who weren't, who weren't just tight, uh, just in the locker room or anything. We, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, and I'm, our- I'm sure that had to be really cool for you, like, after you left, obviously. It's just seeing the development of those guys. I mean, Pat DeMarco ended up going on to be, you know, in a position that's extremely undervalued at fullback. Had a fantastic career at South Carolina. He's doing it in the league now. So, I mean, obviously, he did something right. You know what I mean? Was very good for Steve Spurrier's offense. And then, you know, Kenny Miles having the big games he had. I mean, I think 2012 Clemson, which was obviously way after you were there. But I'm sure it was cool. And, you know, you were there when Steven Garcia got there. And, like, seeing those guys, like you said, like the progression, the development, and, you know, what they did in 2010, that's obviously it sounds like you you knew a ton of those guys on that football team. That had to be a really cool thing for you to kind of – to kind of see after you had left it was i mean because you know those dudes and you know the work they've put in i mean and you you did the same thing mm. and to finally see you know what you've been preaching what you said to them what you try to lay the foundation for for success is work right and uh, it, it is it's very gratifying and, and it's it's one of the reasons you feel so attached and, and so deeply connected to those guys i mean because i see people you know i've seen mike you know two or three times since i've graduated um, we talk, you know, continuously, but I ran into Jared Cook in a, at a Miami Heat game in Miami a couple wow. years back. And, you know, it's just like we, you know, we saw each other last week, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a deep connection with, with a true bond that you make with those dudes. For sure. So I, I want to jump to 2008, that NC State game. That was the NC State game you got to start, 2008. And people may forget, Tommy Beecher was also making his first career start, which I'm planning on getting Tommy on the show, by the way. We've been in contact on Instagram and stuff like that. Because I, I think his story obviously is extremely interesting, like for all fans. Because I mean, you remember that off season, like he wins the starting job, and I mean, to to be anointed the starter by Steve Spurrier brings a lot of pressure, and it can make or break you. And you know, what I'm saying like it's it's not the being a quarterback under Steve Spurrier is not easy. Nobody's ever claimed it was, but for you specifically, you're making the start. Tommy Beecher's making the start, like. I talked about the emotions going in that first start, but going into that game, like what was that like knowing you have a new quarterback? So I, I feel like it's almost got to sharpen you. Like I really need to be on my game because, you know, I've got this guy taking snaps in front of me that he, you know, he, he's never really been played in a game. He's never started a game, obviously. So, I mean, what, what, what was the thought process going into that one? Again, Thursday night or on national TV, you're going up against Russell Wilson of all people. So, I mean, yeah, yeah that had to be pretty, pretty interesting to say the least. Well, Tommy, Tommy was my roommate, I think, for the last three years. Really? I was, yeah, it was, I think it was Tommy Beecher, Ryan Suckup, um, myself, and nice. then a couple offensive linemen here and there. But throughout my whole career, I always, if you were to watch the quarterbacks throw, even with like Blake Mitchell, Garcia, Chris Smelly, Tommy always threw the nicest ball, in my opinion. Really? And you could zing that damn thing, mm-hmm. right? And he was an actuary mathematics major, so the dude's smart. So right. that's, I remember, I remember that, that spring and that fall, I mean, he was slinging it. 
right? Mm-hmm. And he was hitting people open. He was smart. He was knowing the concepts. He's athletic. Um, great tennis player now. Um, and I remember going into that game, I didn't feel any pressure on me because I thought Tonga was the best dude that we had. Right. Um, and obviously the game, you know, didn't work out well. People respond differently uh, and search mm-hmm. way through a couple picks or, or I, I remember it didn't, wasn't smooth sailings right, say right, right. in that game. But that was a big deal. And it, it was a lot of fun to start with somebody that you spend so much time with. Right. I want to ask you, too, you got your first career touchdown and your only touchdown in college. I mean, again, you put in all that work and you're a veteran guy at that point. I mean, that that had to feel really good for you as far as knowing, like you said, you had put the work in. You had gone through the daily grind for a couple of years now at that point and to get to get in the end zone, you know, to get that touchdown. Just kind of describe the feelings there. I mean, again, that, that had to be that had to be a cool feeling. Be able to look back and say, you know, I had a touchdown running the football at South Carolina. Yeah, and we had, it was funny going into that game. We had talked about you know off-season workouts, being strong and being big, and that and nobody had really had a weight room run for a while. Um, we I remember the play we ran like a sixteen whammo, which is basically just kind of a power to the right hand side. Um, and a dude filled the hole. I just lowered my shoulder, bam, bounced right off of him, scampered into the end zone, and it was right in front of the student section. You know, best place yeah. to score your touchdown. Um, and I think I might have even thrown a little high step in there because I was so juiced, right? Because yeah. No, I, I do remember that. I haven't been in the end zone yet. Want to get in, baby? Yeah, you did do the high step. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So that that, that shows my excitement. I, was, <laughs> uh, I wanted to be there for what three three or four years at that yeah. point. You know, I finally got there. So how how would you describe your running style? Because I feel like you were just a flat out bruiser. Like you wanted to run somebody over. Uh, I like to I like to go one cut north and south. I mean, uh, I, I am I think I am faster than people ever gave me credit for. Um, I was a regional hundred meter champion, but uh, no, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of lateral quickness and that's not my strong point, but I like to make one cut, get downhill and go. Um, and I think that's probably what sees me. I grew up my favorite running back to watch was Eric Dickerson. Um, nice. So he was a taller, bigger dude. If I tried to emulate anybody, it'd probably be him. Just did, did your dad want you to play wide receiver? He didn't care. He just like, whatever. He didn't really care. And he, he never pushed me to play, uh, to play football. Really. Uh, I just, I just played football because I always saw it in his his helmet in his office and you know all your friends play it right, right, right yeah um and i think even in georgia i started to blossom more as a defensive player um mm-hmm. as a, 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 before i moved out west to uh to washington but no he never pushed me for for uh for any kind of position or, or to play at all but he always he was probably my biggest help and support um every game he was there and he always had advice and critique um mm-hmm. and he obviously was a big help when it came to deciding where to go to school and and coaching styles and this that and the other it, this is kind of a funny side note and a funny story. So my grandfather's the reason I'm a diehard South Carolina fan the way I am now. And I, I really kind of clicked for me when I was 11. So like 2002, um, kind of give you a time range. That, that's why the, the first couple Spurrier teams are like some of my fondest teams because that was the first couple of Carolina teams that I really, you know, we really clung to as fans or whatever. And so, but it was so funny because my, you know, my grandfather was passionate, obviously loved South Carolina. He used to always complain though, he, he and again we're not we're not trying to throw anybody under the bus here because those offensive lines were great but he always would tell me he's like I don't know why it seems like they just never want to block for Taylor Rank when he gets in there it's like they block for everybody else when Taylor Rank gets in though it's like the floodgates open up it was, that was always his thing he was always making a point to say that um well that that might can be oh NC State I mean I don't throw the O-line under the bus. I've, I've missed plenty of reads on its own. You know, you cut back when you should have stayed right. play side, this, that, and the other. But I remember FAU, well, they blocked real well for me. Man, I had 100-something yards. Yeah, 101 yards, yeah. 
I think I was the first running back to go over 100 yards in, I think, like four or five years or something, mm-hmm. which just kind of came because Mike ran for like 91 yards that game yeah. or something. Too. Um, but no, I remember that game. We watched that game film and I think a draw where it looked like the floodgates open. There was a nice alley. I just cut the wrong way. And, and I mean, I'm know. sure Coach Spurrier gave you an earful for that. He did. Uh, and I mean, if, <laughs> if I would if I would if I would have if I would have cut the right way, I probably would have played, you know, for longer in the NC State game. You might have yeah. seen me for a little bit longer. What, what's the uh, what's the worst he's ever like he ever got at you? Because I mean, I, obviously I've had some of your former teammates. I mean, Mo Brown probably is the funniest as far as recalling him in the film room and saying like, you know, he everybody tells me he was hell with the clicker. Like he could, he could do the clicker and look at you and not even have to look at the film and he could he'd have it exactly on the replay. He didn't even need to yeah. look at it. Like, and he doesn't, he like, cause he'll just rewind like, just, <laughs> and just pause it there. So it's almost hypnotizing, right? Yeah. So you just get this thing going, but, and then he'll just keep doing that as he's talking to you. Yeah. And I don't know if he's consciously aware of it, but it's just playing your error over and over yeah. and over. Uh, you know, ideally, um, I think one time he asked me if I was dancing with somebody. Um, and then he asked me if I was a better dancer or a blocker. And by that point, you've got no win. Right, you got to pick one or the other. And you, um, your teammates are trying their hardest, probably not to laugh at you. So I said, I think I said blocker, and he said, "Well, shit, you must not be hell of a dancer then." <laughs> Very good. Very good. So yeah, I do want to ask you, like I said, about you know, as far as life after football, because we talked about kind of you watching your your former teammates and those guys what they did, and keep keep building the program, which I know you're a proud alum. You've, you've got your Gamecock stuff on. I'm sure you took a lot of pride in that, because again. You guys laid those first couple of Spurrier teams. I really feel laid the foundation. You know what I mean? It laid the foundation to what we saw ten to thirteen. But stepping away from the field because again, we talked off air. You're a very well traveled dude. You live in New Zealand now, and obviously, I've followed you on Instagram for a while. And you were talking about you thought you wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach in college, and now I mean, I see you're doing like a lot of the CrossFit stuff. But just give people an idea like what the life of Taylor Rank is like now because you've you've bounced all over the world. Really? I mean, what's, what's life been like for you after football, after South Carolina? Well, after, after I graduated, I, I got into strength and conditioning. I started off as a, as a unpaid intern at Oregon state university. And then I progressed to a, an assistant position at Washington state university. Um, so you went back out West. Okay. I went back out West. Cause that's where my dad was. That's gotcha, where, gotcha. where I had my connections and, and right. kind of just was home base. Um, but then I got a call from my cousin. Um, who was in Korea in the army at the time and asked me to come out. I was like, all right, man, I'll come out there for a month. We have a school break, went out there. Mm. And that kind of snowballed. And I met some people that were on the military base that were doing this thing called CrossFit. And they were trying to do like some Olympic lifting and stuff. And so I just kind of started casually coaching CrossFitters on how to snatch and clean and jerk and do the Olympic movements that I was really familiar with from my time as strength and conditioning coach. And through that, I met some people at Reebok and they were opening up these, you know, fitness facilities. And I got on board with a guy. We ended up opening a facility in, in Seoul, South Korea, where I traveled to just to, to see my cousin for a month. Um, and then ended up meeting some people in Hong Kong, um, really good coaches that wanted to, you know, work in a facility. So I went to Hong Kong, opened a facility there, coach there. And then kind of the same thing took me out to Dubai, um, but uh, where I met my wife, um, who you know, we now have two kids here in New Zealand. Uh, so we went back to Hong Kong from there um, where I went back to work at that facility. But throughout it all, I've been doing strength and conditioning work with, you know, high school teams, rugby players, you know, runners, soccer players, as well as coaching in a CrossFit environment, um, coaching CrossFit classes. Um, and during my time in Korea, I played rugby with a, a New Zealand, a New Zealander, Kiwi guy named Nathan, who is now my business partner here. Uh, we work at and run a facility called Badger Health and Fitness. Um, down here in New Zealand, where we work with 
athletes from local high schools, uh, people who do CrossFit. Uh, we have a strength institute, which is a weightlifting facility uh, attached to us. So uh, yeah, we're basically just shifting 10 and doing fitness down here, having a good time. I was going to say, what's been your favorite stop along the way? I know you were talking about how great New Zealand is. I mean, is there like one place that stands out or like one of your favorite stops or places you lived or anything like that? I think it's probably going to uh, South Korea. Um, it, uh, even though it's the first place I went, it's where I met um, three, three of my real good friends that are here in New Zealand, in this city that we're in. Um, I was at a, a young point in my life. Uh, it was the first place I'd been. It was, it was so new, so alien, but so... I like guess so intriguing and interesting at the same time. Mm. And you really rally around because football came on Sunday mornings. Like, mm. like Saturday night came on Sunday morning. Really? So we'd meet at the pub, you know, like 5 a.m., right? <laughs> <laughs> and we start saucing it up, waiting for, you know, the noon SEC game to come right, on. And right. my roommate in Korea ended up being an LSU graduate, Jacob Leonard, great dude. So we had the SEC camaraderie. Um, so that by far that stage of my life and, and, and at that point, Korea was probably my favorite stop. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah, say I, I watching say football watching probably football to be so interesting for you as far as, uh, you know, again, being over the time difference. And I was going to say, what, how, how great is technology? You're in New Zealand. I'm in Colombia. And it's like we're, we're just having casual conversation. That's not kind of random. But either way, uh, obviously, again, you're a proud Gamecock alumni. And that, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I wonder what times he's having to watch these South kind of games at because – Obviously, this year we're coming off of South Carolina's coming off, and we're talking the Auburn win to get to two and two, which a huge win, top fifteen win. What 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 time are you having to get? Like if like South Carolina plays LSU this weekend at seven, like what time is that for you? So I guess we're talking kickoff for me. Okay, so So you'd rather the game be at noon? noon. Yeah. So so you'd rather it be a noon kick then, or no? Well, if if so, say you're playing if South Carolina is playing at noon in the states, right? I have to wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. So it's between five. You Your kickoffs are between five and noon. Yeah, all of them. Dang. The, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a no win right there. <laughs> You're like, hey, can you guys play at 4 a.m. one day for me? That'd be great. Um, But no, I'd, I'd love to get your take. I'm not sure how much Gamecock football you've gotten to watch this year, obviously, with the craziness going on or whatever. But Carolina, two and two through four weeks. Just talk about what you've seen with the program as a whole since you left, obviously. Coach Spurrier doing what he did, you know, winning 11 games three years in a row, which, like I said, when you first got – it's crazy to think when you first got there how maybe unimaginable that was. Like you're talking about doing first and accomplishing things that had never been accomplished. I mean, he he more than did that. But seeing Coach Spurrier's success and his resignation and Will Muschamp taking over and where the program is now, and I'm not sure if you've gotten the chance to come back to Columbia at any point and see, like, the facility upgrades or – the areas around Willie B, but I mean, obviously it's night and day difference from what it used to be in the ops building and the practice fil- fields and practice facilities. It's crazy, but just talk about, like, like I said, what you've seen with the program, the current state of the program, where it's at now, just kind of your overall thoughts on Carolina football as a whole right now in 2020. I think as far as a support system, as far as your alumni, your boosters, your facilities and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't get any better than South Carolina has it right now. I mean, I'm sure that'll progress in the future, but I mean, it's a premier program in every aspect of it. Um, and what, and the, the hiring of Mike Bobo, I, I was really excited because it, like I said, college football is kind of how I get, it, it's my one piece of home that right. I've kind of been able to keep consistent that I'm passionate about and, and really enjoy following. Um, it, it's always been a point to focus on. So this season I was excited. We have Marshawn Lloyd coming in and, you know, he's supposed to be a Megatron freshman and all this promise. He get, he blows his knee out. I've been really happy with how resilient the football team has been because, 
one thing I, you learn is how hot and cold, not just Carolina, but the SEC is. I mean, you're ready to be fired after 0-2, but you beat Auburn. Hey, much chance looking real good now. Eh? <laughs> right. Um, so how resilient they are. I'm, I'm actually really happy with the whole Mike Bobo thing so far. The offense is not sluggish and boring as all hell. I mean, they're committed to running the football, but they're making plays when they're open. You know, they're moving the football well. They're putting points on the board. Um, defense is playing real well. Um, it's If nothing else, it's a fun football team to watch, which yeah. it hasn't been a fun football team to watch for the mm. past uh, past couple seasons. Um, and I, I'm, I'm on board with, like, Will Muschamp. I mean, he's doing the, the things he's got to do on recruiting. Players are playing hard. I know we want to win, you know, the nine, 10 games, but I look at it this season, I think, you know, six and four is probably a damn good right, record. Yeah. Five, five be a damn good record when you're playing 10 SEC games. But I think he's, if we keep doing what we're doing this season, you know, hopefully we, we keep playing hard. We keep winning some games. I think we're moving in the right direction. Just look at the recruiting trail we've been doing. We've got some big names, five-star, you know, Jordan Burge. I think we got a five-star corner committed, things mm-hmm. like that. So it may not be now, but I think we're going in the right way. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been very happy with the, the hire of Mike Bobo, too. He's surpassed my expectations already. But I was going to say, offensively, I'm sure you've got to w- like watching a guy like Kevin Harris. Like you were saying, your game, you're one cut north and south. I kind of feel like that's how Kevin is, too. Like, run, runs behind his pads, very tough, very physical. Um, they've nicknamed him the bus. Other people have called him a muscle hamster. Like, he is – that dude is is a beast. I mean, what is he? He's 5'9", but he's 225. Like, he's a ball of muscle – Again, I'm, I'm sure you enjoy watching him tote the rock. He's thick, and I like big physical runners. And not not to say I don't like you know your shifty one quick get tos, but you can tell that it makes a difference third and fourth quarter when you got to tackle a dude that thick, that big, and he's going to keep coming hard. You know, it's it is, and I'm him, Rashad Fenwick. I mean, arguably the strength of the offense, and you know, Shy Smith. But the running game, I mean, you can't you can't be anything but happy with it. You know, for, for the most part, I think right now. And I, th- I think South Carolina, you've seen, I agree with you 110%. I think they've been stingy in the running game. And I think Muschamp, you mentioned that as far as, like you're saying, he's thick, he runs hard, he, he runs through people. And it's like you're saying, you get late in the game and, and nobody wants to deal with that. And I, I, I think you've seen that from Kevin. And, I mean, he has, again, he's surpassed all expectations as far as being true RB1. I'm going to get you out of here, Taylor. Before I do, I'll let you go. Um, obviously, you had a had a awesome career at South Carolina. A lot of firsts, like we mentioned, a lot of accomplishments. When you look back on your career, I'll give you the floor. Just a couple of memories that stick out, whether it be on the field or off the field. Like I said, you got a great relationship with your teammates. I mean, Mike was had nothing but glowing reviews to say as far as you guys' relationship. But just just talk about some of those favorite memories that stick out from your time at Carolina. Um, we did do a lot of firsts on the field, um, but most of the stuff that, that I recall. Um, because quite frankly, I, I wasn't a starter. I didn't. I was. You know, I didn't play a whole lot. Did get a whole lot of totes of the rock or, or that thing. So uh, a lot of my glowing memories come from from off the field and just interactions, whether it be, be traveling to and from a game or, or going down for like bowl games or things like that. But I remember one of the first memories I have of Mike Davis is we get to we get to summer school because you start early, you know, working and try to get into fall camp. So we go to summer school and we've got like a music one hundred and one class together. And, you know, we're, what, 17, 18 years old. And uh, we walk into music class. And we went to McDonald's on the way there. Um, we get to class, but the classroom is closed. And Mike just takes his McDonald's, whatever platter he got. He sets it on the ground, takes the top off, and then probably empties about four containers of maple syrup into the top of his, his hotcakes and sausage mm-hmm. thing. And then takes an entire McGriddle muffin and just starts scooping maple syrup into his mouth. 
And here I am, I'm thinking I'm probably weighing like 185 pounds and Mike's just thick ass probably weighs like 220. I'm like, I guess this is what you got to do if you want to play running back in the SEC. (laughs) So I think I went and bought two more like sausage McMuffins or something um, just to try and start stacking on weight. Um, But the other, the other memory I had is, is as a red shirt freshman, because you're not playing, you're working out, right? And it's just, hey, get big, get strong, get ready to play. And we work out at five o'clock in the morning. And our strength coach at the time was, was uh, Mark Smith. And he used to refer to himself as Black Iron, right? So I remember one day we went in there and we were all kind of tired and didn't really feel like working out, you know, as you do. Um, but it was winter workouts, we're in there. And he takes us out on the asphalt outside of williams Bryce Stadium to do like a 20 minute ab circuit because he wasn't happy with our effort. Mm. <laughs> Um, but other than that, when we went up to Tennessee, um, and I remember, I think it was, it was the first time we had beat Tennessee and Florida in the same year. And, and since I'll get out. And then I remember after the FAU game, when I was awarded my game ball, I still got my game ball somewhere out there, uh, in the living room. Nice. Um, probably my most outstanding memories. Nice. Time. For sure. I was going to ask you, obviously you're doing the CrossFit stuff. What's like your, do you have like a favorite workout? Like, like, like a favorite, I mean, I don't know, favorite exercise. Obviously, you do the Olympic lifting. I'm somewhat familiar. I don't do CrossFit, but I, I've obviously, I've, I've done the Olympic lifting. I played college baseball, so I've done that type of stuff. But, like, what's your – do you have, like, a favorite, like, favorite thing, favorite workout, favorite lift, whatever that you uh you like I to do, do personally? Um, or? Yeah, my favorite lift is a snatch, it's a full snatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite workout would be a workout. It's called Amanda. It's basically nine, seven, five of what we call muscle ups on the rings and squat snatches with 135 pounds. So have you, have you gone, have you gotten smaller or bigger from the 185 in college? Cause obviously you lose weight when you, when you, I'm sure your diet's very rigorous and stuff like that. Like what, what, what's the weight, what's the weight looking like these days? When I got to college, when I showed up to college, I was about 185 pounds. Uh, and then by the time I was a senior, I think I weighed about 218, 220. Okay, okay. you put on some good weight then, for sure. I put on some good weight. Yeah. Because uh, I, I dabbled in, like, full back and stuff a bit right. for some here and there. Um, but uh, now I probably weigh about – I'm back down to about 190, 193. Um, but as far as physical fitness, and, and I'm probably just the f- best I've ever been. Right, right. And I still think I could probably run a 4, 440. <laughs> Cause, cause still go, could still go run for a hundred yards for sure. We could try. We could yeah, try. No doubt. Well, yeah, Taylor, it's been a blast, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, like you were saying, you weren't always on the field, but I really do feel like for whatever reason, I, I know why you were one of the most recognizable Gamecocks of that time, Spurrier's first teams. And like I said, it holds a very special place, definitely in my heart. And I think other Gamecock fans are as well. And also the way that you played the game, ran the football football always a tough player always a tough runner and i feel like that's what stood out so it was a pleasure to watch in garnet and black sir and i appreciate you taking the time we should definitely do it again soon for sure man thank you sir very much my pleasure absolutely he's taylor rank i'm chris phillips we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time with episode of the spurs up show
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.